Broadcasting live from the Cascading Cataracts on the plane of Amonkhet Remastered, this is Tap Tap Concede. Welcome everybody to Tap Tap Concede. My name is Graham, and here with me are Nelson. Hi there. And Cameron. Hello. And today we are looking at part one of two of a 2020 year in review because we looked at the spreadsheet of everything that came out this year and realized we can't do this in one episode. And more on that in a moment. Before we get into it, though, a reminder that this show is brought to you by our good friends at Card Kingdom. Do check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. That puts our little affiliate code on there, lets them know that we sent you, and we do that because we think they're great. And if you tell them Loading Ready Run sent me, button please, they'll give you a little one-inch button, which right now is... Omnath was ejected. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I did a little sort of Starfield treatment on it as well. It's two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> that is some compelling content nice. right there. And of course, this show and everything we do is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. And we thank you for it. So let's go back, back to the better times, the before times in January 2020. And very quickly out the gates, I think I recall we were doing a PPR. It felt like too soon, right? It was like a week and a half or something into into 2020 for Theros Beyond Death. That feels right. That feels accurate. Yeah, sounds right. So Theros 2 Theros the Return, featuring the return also of Elspeth, as we had predict, not us, like not like Loading Ready Run got it right, like as folks had predicted that Elspeth would indeed return, though not as a returned. I was surprised she didn't sort of come back as a returned, even though they teased her death mask at the end of the video for the last Theros block. She actually just busted straight out of hell. Like many of the cards mechanically do with the escape mechanic. That was cool. I really enjoyed how escape like tied into the flavor of the set that it's like oh there's been a bit of a leak over at hades <laughs> and a bunch of things are coming out and yeah also here's a different way of doing a graveyard mechanic <laughs> i mean yeah I, I, they even made a video game about it right like it was critically well received is that video game owned by watsi no no, no, no. That'd be so incredible. And if I had somehow missed that, I'd be very disappointed in myself. I feel there should be a mod anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Would play the Elspeth mod on Hades, right? The escape mechanic you're probably most familiar to seeing on Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. Half of a little mini cycle that's been extremely popular in standard and other formats like modern or pioneer or historic. The other one being Croxa, Titan of Death's Hunger. Both these cards can escape back from a graveyard for paying some mana and exiling five cards from your graveyard. And that kind of repeatable value is the sort of thing that a lot of competitive players are looking for. And we still see those cards flopping around today in the formats in which they're legal. Because I did so much draft, I was thinking about escape in terms of like that 4-1 for 3 or the 5-5 five five horse that can't block. Well, it's a 3-3, three three, then it becomes a 5-5. Five five. You know, I was thinking of like draft playable escape cards, totally forgetting that, of course, <laughs> Uro and Croxa have escape and that the Uro is certainly like the most relevant card with escape in terms of other formats but i never saw uro because it was a mythic and you know in draft you don't see mythics that often so i was like oh right i guess uro also had that yeah uro also super playable in draft i think oh yeah definitely i just never had the opportunity yeah i would i don't think i would trust myself to wheel an uro <laughs> i think you just <laughs> no. snap that one off right if you get past an uro yeah definitely other other fun things about this set Theros Beyond Death, the only card from or the only set from 2020 that has a card on the Highlander points list 
it's uh, the one that escapes everything. Underworld Breach, uh, right. red enchantment for one generic and a red. And along with Throne of Eldraine from 2019's Wishclaw Talisman, both these cards have made it onto the Highlander points list. Yeah, no, that, that seems right. That seems correct. Meanwhile, has done nothing in the newer... Well, not nothing, actually. There was a, there was a deck in either Standard or Pioneer, I want to say Pioneer, that played Underworld Breach along with Lotus Field and like untapping the Lotus Field and then rebuying the untapped spells. I feel like these these cards are both, you know, they're, they're, they get a lot better when the quality of cards around them is better. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, I, I feel in a, a legacy of vintage format like Highlander, you're probably going to see a lot more powerful cards getting brought back with Underworld Breach than you will in Standard. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Other notables from this set for, for Constructed that I've been seeing a lot of. Anyway, Elspeth Conquers Death. Still very good. Still very popular. Five mana Saga that can exile a permanent opponent controls with growing mana cost three or greater. And then Thassa's Oracle, another card that gets better the, the better the cards are around it. Thassa's Oracle is still winning some games in Historic, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy. Just a cheaper laboratory maniac. Now now I do remember something about the 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 pre-pre-release for Theros, which was me dying to this card because I didn't finish reading the uh, the text on it. <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah, yeah. Krim was like, you want to finish reading that card? And I was like, not really. <laughs> Do I have to, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> if I you... don't finish reading the card, then I'm still in this game. <laughs> exactly. I remember the moment too being as like, you you definitely had read it at some point all the way through but then during the pre-release you were like no i don't want to and they (laughs) (laughs) as if some part of the back of your mind knew it was already over yeah exactly some part of my subconsciousness was just like blocking it out right like the words were blurry what did you both make of this set because i get the impression that opinion was divided on it but i i mean again experienced it mostly from a draft perspective i i quite enjoyed it yeah i mean i i drafted it a reasonable amount i felt that i had fun while doing it i wound up playing a bunch of these cards in standard right like i wound up playing surprise surprise uh, an aristocrat's build in standard that was around for a while mm-hmm. that relied heavily on uh hardened in the forge the 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 red demigod what is his actual name croxa um, perforos not perforos annex annex annex, annex. Demigod. yeah right. you know 294 guesses we were gonna get there absolutely i mean i i feel we converged on that one very quickly and you know there, there were fun cards in this set but yeah like the goat eater dude enjoyed him as well i shucked this set like 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 somebody looking for pearls in oysters but i did find those pearls so i appreciate that about it i just wanted to quickly touch on since you were mentioning the cars that were relevant in constructed just quickly touching on the draft archetypes at least the ones that i particularly enjoyed the blue white flyers enchantments deck was really cool there was the staggering insight which was the sort of the plus one plus one and draw a card when the creature deals combat damage there was the like plus two plus two and first strike and if it hits the opponent you make a one one soldier <laughs> enchantment that was very strong that one's like four mana or something right i, I can yeah. remember splashing for that in the deck yeah the dreadful apathy which was the pacifism that then you can exile the creature with and you can do the cool trick where like you exile it and then bounce the dreadful apathy so that the creature still gets exiled but then you put the apathy on a different creature because you could do that with you master wizard it was great I, I can't remember what card that was i'm sitting here in stunned silence actually realizing that i never once did that 
Yeah, there's some kind of blue uncommon flyer that bounces an enchantment in your upkeep or when it attacks or something. Yeah. Oh, right. No, there was actually just a blink. But you could also, in another deck that I really enjoyed, the black-white constellation graveyard deck, the the sort of the signpost gold card for that was Rise to Glory, which was three white-black for a sorcery. And then you choose one or both. Return target creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Return target aura from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you could do stuff with just like, I get back my dreadful apathy. Or I get back like Myers Grasp and just kill another 3-3. The deck that I think I only ever got to like really feel like I was playing this deck properly like once was the blue-red casting spells on your opponent's turn deck. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't entirely turn into a constructed deck and I was a little disappointed about that. Yeah, there was the Dreamstalker Manticore, which was a 4-2 that would just ping anything. If you cast a spell, the first spell on your opponent's turn, the Mischievous Chimera that dealt one damage to your opponent and you got to scry. And so you'd be doing lots of like omens of the forge or omens of the sea and then just like pinging stuff and tapping things down. And that was fun. Definitely my favorite. I mean, I quite liked sort of generally blue green. Definitely my my favorite was the black green in this one because it had the most access to graveyard recursion and in a format where just everything's going to the graveyard all the time making sure that you can get back not only your escape stuff but your other stuff as well it just felt like you know they'd be like haha i spent an entire card to kill your thing and you're like i don't care i'm getting back that and something else watch do 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 but the acolyte of affliction was the signpost gold card there with which is two black green for the two three when it enters the battlefield you mill two and then return a permanent from your graveyard to your hand just very strong especially with stuff like Myers grasp that was just the minus three minus three for one and a black so you'd kill something trigger constellation then you can bring it back later this is very cool basically that draft format i quite enjoyed except dream trawler yeah dream trawler was no bueno i didn't even mind kiora bests the sea god that much no one's ever said this i got to be on the good end of it a couple times uh, the truth comes out i I was definitely also on the receiving end a couple times. Like it's it takes a lot more work to to get to like live to seven mana. Like seven is is not like a turn later than six, right? Like Dream Trawler being six and Kiora Best the Sea God being seven does not mean that it's like the next turn, right? It takes a, it takes a while to get to seven in a game of limited. I did beat one once, only once, only once, <laughs> only because I'd been very aggressive up to that point. But Dream Trawler was just like, oh, well, this game's over. Finally, a playable Bane Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. We just had to make it cost one more mana. Yeah. And then it's okay. Yeah. Yep. Make it completely invincible. Mm -hmm. Completely invincible. Yeah, it turns out Progenitus is what everyone was looking for in a Bane Slayer all along. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, with a couple cards that were perhaps maybe a little too powerful, but I guess that was the theme of the year. I thought Mm. Theros Beyond Death was... I thought... I don't know. I thought it was a hit. I thought it did what it needed to do. I thought we got to go back to Theros without the sort of weird feels of like a battle for Zendikar of like, this isn't really the Theros I remember. I thought that they really nailed the like, hey, it's Theros again and had enough stuff that was different and enough stuff that was the same that it was like, all right, this feels good. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right there that they they nailed the flavor of the of the plane while also managing to advance the plot, mm-hmm. yeah. right? It didn't feel like, as you said, Battle for Zendikar, where it, it did not. That's all I have to, That was a very articulate thought, Cameron. Very good. <laughs> well well done. done. 
Does anyone near Cameron have a treat for Cameron? If we could get Cameron a treat ASAP. They do not. Darn it. Yeah, I want to basically second my approval of this set. Like, I was thinking about how frustrated I am about Elspeth Conqueror's death specifically. And as you were both talking, I was trying to mull it over. Really, the card that I was disappointed in is Teferi. The three-mana Teferi, whatever it's called. Teferi, the last hope. Teferi, the mind sculptor. I'm forgetting. Anyways, that Teferi, with, alongside Elspeth Conqueror's death, just made for a lot of unfun games. But... This set actually includes a ton of cards that are in fringe constructed archetypes and and we're totally fine. Like, you know, good, interesting cards like the Acroan War, Phoenix of Ash and Thassa's Oracle. I mentioned before, it's like I kind of busted Wincon and Legacy. But if you ever saw someone doing it in constructed, it was just like or in standard. I mean, it was just like, oh, cool. This is a, a decent little cantripping buddy. Treacherous Blessing made Doom Foretold kind of crop up on the map. Some Aristocrats decks are playing Nightmare Shepherd. You know, Woe Strider we saw is this elegant piece of the puzzle in, in the Aristocrats decks. And yeah, the list goes on. There's a bunch of cards that kind of have a home and aren't super busted cards. And that this set includes a card, a lot of cards I've been having a lot of fun with all year. So Yeah, yeah, like Nightmare Shepherd and Woe Strider were both like, those were fun includes. I was very happy to see those. And they were flavorful and, you know, had great art. And yeah. And they reprinted gary the everyone's favorite character from theros not elspeth gary <laughs> and millions upon millions of magic players the world over you could hear them gary 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 gary's in this set for months gary 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 faintly everywhere on earth <laughs> Says Gary after Gary resolved. So this week, we're going to talk about the sort of major retail set releases. And then next week in part two, we're going to talk about a lot more of the ancillary products and some stuff with Arena. And so the next thing that we'll be talking about today is the next sort of big set that was released in stores, even though it's technically a supplemental product. The thing that I miss the most in these times about the lack of Magic Fests is all the wonderful people that I got to see when we went to them. But the second thing that I miss about Magic Fests is Mystery Booster Draft. Mm -hmm. I still have not gotten to do this, and I hear it's great. Oh, man, it's so much fun. In March, they released the Mystery Booster Retail Edition. I will take your word for it. Did YJ not get any? We did, but it just flew off the shelves immediately. Right. So this was the same as the convention edition, but it didn't have the practically unset and often broken, but not always in like playable ways, R&D playtest cards. Those were still only at the convention edition, the like hand-drawn, completely baffling, ridiculous cards. Those were not in the retail edition. Instead, every pack got a foil, but still, still fun to draft. There's no like archetypes for this because there's like what was it, like 1,800 cards or something in the set? That sounds right. It's some ridiculous, yeah, it's a huge list. What is it? Every, isn't it every spot in the pack? So 15 spots have their own full set. Oh, James is telling us 1,694. Right. And it was collated. So there was like always two commons of each color, I think. I'll take your word for it. I think that's also, well, I'm, I'm saying that that's what's happening and we'll find out in the comments if I'm wrong. But yeah, it, it was... It was, they managed to codify, essentially, the feeling of a chaos draft and, like, 
print new editions of this product but in a way that like it all just sort of worked like you didn't get any of the massive duds that you do if someone puts a pack of i don't know mirrored and besieged into a chaos draft mm-hmm. and you got to actually play with cards that were not from the most recent set because the problem with chaos draft is the tournament organizers tend to run out of the older packs and also including much older packs makes the whole thing more expensive but don't worry, every LGS has just tons and tons of Mystery Booster for sale. I mean, I'm talking about why I liked Mystery Booster, but that is <laughs> legitimately a big a big problem. That... I'm sorry, Graham, I need to wait until you're finished your sentence to stick my tongue out. <laughs> no, you're totally right that it was great and they printed tons of it and they were firing just constant drafts at Magic Fests. And then when they released the retail edition, there was just not enough. Anyways, I'm looking forward to getting to draft this someday if that is is a thing. It's a pretty cool set. Agreed. I I was not expecting a card or a set with 1700 cards in it to feel this carefully curated, but it honestly does. Yeah. Right? It feels thoughtfully assembled and it is fun. I I I enjoyed it a lot in spite of my expectations around the set. I saw it and I was like, eh, I don't know. And then I played it and I was sold, just totally sold on it. They didn't say that it was going to be unless I am completely misremembering. They didn't say that it was a limited run printing. So my hope would be that when life begins to return to some semblance of normality, that, you know, maybe they'll be able to to print some more of it. As James points out, quite rightly, this it was released like at the very beginning of March or I mean, in March at the very beginning of when people were like, hey, we should stop going out. So, yeah, hopefully it will come back and mm-hmm. we'll all be able to mystery boost again. Indeed. Boy, speaking of sets that got kind of overshadowed by the pandemic, the the next major expansion to come out was Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths, a totally new setting and some just wild mechanics. And yeah, this came out in April. It felt weird. I mean, it's impossible to talk about these sets without talking about the world into which they were released because it was just sort of like, okay, well, there's no pre-release happening. Like we, we managed to make a pre-pre-release work, but there was no actual in-store events and so it was all sort of done on arena and i played a lot of it on arena but not as much as i would have because i don't know i the month of april i think most everyone just spent in kind of a catatonic haze Mm -hmm. oddly enough i feel that this set actually played much better on arena than it would have in paper i agree with that the the mutate mechanic I think I would have gotten... I'm trying to remember if, in fact, when we did play it in paper for the pre-pre-release, if I got totally lost with it. I think more so than the mutate mechanic, the ability tokens, I think, just play better on Arena. Oh, absolutely agreed, yes. Like trample tokens and flying tokens and things like that. I mean, yeah, I I think that this set may... If more people had had the opportunity to play it in paper, I think... This set might not be terribly fondly remembered. <laughs> Just for fumbling all this stuff? Yeah, it's like, well, you turn something sideways and you knock your first strike token off it onto another creature and then you have a judge call and it's like, wait, what had trample? I found I found a trample icon or t- token on the ground. You hold it up in front of all your creatures. Which one of you has trample? Who dropped the token? Would the real trampling monster please stand up? 
Yeah. What sort of implications did this have for Constructed, Nelly? Okay, I have a few answers. Sorry, I, I want to agree that it's one silver lining of this timeline that the Magic community at large will have just like played through this on Arena, which is sort of a tutorial mode about how to get through specifically Mutate. You know, while I would have preferred to get to do lots more in paper or in-person paper judging this year, I'm sure most of my, my colleagues feel the same way. It's it's nice to get to skip some of those calls just because it's it's one of the more complicated abilities I think they've presented, certainly in recent memory. And then the other thing is like this set for me will always have kind of, you know, a bittersweet sort of particular emotional memory because I got to do a bunch of commentating for the brief run of Magic Fest online, which happened right around the same time. Like I want to say it started the first Magic Fest online might have been just before the release of Aquaria on Arena. Not too many weeks passed until you know the shark typhoon decks were kind of cropping up and the companions were everywhere so it was like i don't know maybe there was yeah maybe there's two or three weeks of magic fest online and then this set came out and then everybody everyone's deck had a companion so that's there there were many many implications were constructed the triomes an important part of building mana bases and then the companions for the first month or so were all of what every constructed deck started with like first you figured out which companion you were going to play because you had to be kind of silly not to unless you just had the perfect notion of how to build like blue white control deck that was the only deck that i remember opting not to you could play a kahira color or a creatureless version or you could play some dream trawlers in the main and then you could have like a regular deck that just had an answer for every single other deck Mm -hmm. the other thing it brought with it was the cycling deck which is still a thing really probably still a cheap way to get into standard or i don't know maybe maybe any other format because it's a fairly straightforward fairly powerful deck where you just try to play a fox on turn one that gets bigger by a whole lot every turn and then you yeah. finish with a zenith flare to the face for four mana you get to count the number of cards with cycling in your graveyard and deal that much damage to any target i always i, I began thinking of zenith flare as a uh, fireball with delve <laughs> basically yeah that's good that's good clarifies the power level of that card tremendously yeah i really enjoyed drafting this set for the first several weeks before people realized how real that deck was oh yeah yeah it's definitely one of these it's it's just cards from the set almost except for like sacred foundry but you can definitely build it as a draft archetype and it's definitely the best draft archetype like i'd be sitting down with some sort of like mutate shenanigans and your opponent goes you know turn one mountain cycle this looming altasaur and you're like well i'm on zenith watch yep i guess i have three turns to live (laughs) yeah the mutate deck like was fun like the 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 mutate creatures were fun and i enjoyed the sort of the decisions you have to make about like okay do i put another creature on this pile of creatures so that i get these like three triggers to go off or is that way too many eggs in this one dumb basket like am i setting myself up for a colossal blowout here which with blood curdle flying around at common you definitely could be Mm -hmm. that was just the like three and a black destroy a creature also one of your creatures gets a menace counter because why not yeah i thought the draft environment was okay there was there were some non-games but there were there were plenty of good games too Mm -hmm. yeah companions were weird yeah, I know that we did. I think we did a whole episode about Companion at the time, or at least most of an episode about Companion. But yeah, I I don't know. I I think it's one of those things that it's like really cool idea. I'm glad that you thought of it. I think it was maybe too powerful, and it shouldn't have hit the tables like it did. But I I mean, I believe I said as much at the time. I hope I'm being consistent that I say that I'm generally in favor of them trying new things and whoopsie making something busted than not trying new things but yeah companion was a, a little 
little much. Yeah, like I, I, I think I agree with you, Graham, in my where I want to see magic air, right? On the side of, of making interesting mechanics that need to be like toned down rather mm -hmm. than boring mechanics that don't feel like you're doing anything. Although that does like that does come from a perspective of somebody who does mostly limited play with very, very small, like dipping my toes into constructed, right? I, I understand that constructed players are like, well, if it doesn't have a 2020 on it, maybe don't consider sleeving it up, right? That that is a problem. Would also accept a 2019. 2019 occasionally. Well yeah, I guess War of the Spark, right? Yeah. And Throne of Eldrain. Throne of Eldrain's a pretty busted set too. Yeah, I I want to I want to agree more or less. I I hope that the companion kind of like helps R and D see the sort of borders for how nuts something can be. But still, yeah, there's all these advantages to the fire philosophy, right? Like we've got you know Gavin and and Mark Rosewater and the whole team like trying to make exciting cards all the time. That's obviously good for everyone. And then with this mechanic, yeah, like. It was really out there and it was really different. And when I first saw them spoiled or previewed, I I didn't think it was going to be as big a deal as it was. So I thought everyone was was overhyped. But then two weeks into playing with them, it's just like, oh, yeah, we've just never had another another mechanic. It's just like, here's an extra card in your hand all the time. And it's a good card. <laughs> it's going to synergize <laughs> with all the other cards in your deck. You're going to really like having this card. And now that's that's what everyone's doing. The idea of behind it probably was like well make sure you still always have gas like don't don't flood out it's like a classic deal with flood mechanic but ends up i think more often than not i just ended up doing the opposite where it's like if you're if you're ahead it's it's easier to get further ahead with your companion i like that they fixed it i think the fix makes sense but i do think the fix is very clunky in practice when i see people playing with it and they're like okay now i gotta take turn three and get this into my hand can you you can't even do that at like that that's a sorcery speed it's a move, sorcery right? speed thing yeah you can't you can't move your your command or your companion into your hand at uh, instant speed that sucks i agree it's pretty clunky i mostly just think the fix is like a little embarrassing like i feel like <laughs> well, it's yes just, i feel yeah. like we, we had to kind of take our hat in our hands like as magic players be like okay this toy is too good we got to bring it back to the store sorry sorry kids you can't have this toy. It's too loud. And then everyone's, you know, crying about it. But yeah, I think it's fine, too. Like, the fix is fine. With with an extra three mana attacked onto all these cards, they're fair. Yeah. Gavin and Marrow gave us gave us a drum set for Christmas and all the, the associated nightmares that that implies. Yeah. And we all had to go through that together. You know, it was really sweet of them. And on the other hand, not entirely thought out. <laughs> but the Triomes are sweet. Agreed. The Triomes are sweet. The Triomes are very sweet. I like the Triomes a lot. Oh. Wait, sorry, we should just briefly touch on Godzilla, too. Sorry, this, this set also came with Godzilla altered arts and names. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the first thing that would, like, you know, gave people all kinds of feelings. Having mostly played this on Arena, it took me a long time before I saw the regular art for many of these cards, right? I just got used to saying, seeing Baby Godzilla and had no idea what its normal version looked like. Is Baby Godzilla the... The was it the symbiote? I don't. Yeah, polywog, polywog symbiote. That's right. Right, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm with you, Cam. I there are legendary creatures in the set, like some of the bigger ones that I'm fairly confident I have like seen maybe once. Do you know Yorion is a turtle? I legitimately was surprised to discover <laughs> that because I've what? always seen it as the the red the whatever the like angry Godzilla whatever it is. No, yeah, the companions don't have an altar, do they? Not Yorion, I'm sorry. Oh wait, some of them do. Not Yorion. Who who is a turtle? Who am I thinking of? Jam Razor? That's an armadillo. No, no. Yadaro. Yadaro. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. Yes. 
Real Yadaro is a tur- turtle, not uh, not Godzilla Doom Inevitable. I'm sorry, there are there are some companions, or at least there's one. There's Gigan the Cyberclaw Terror, that's Garuda. And I remember seeing that one all the time on Arena and not really learning the name of Garuda for a while. <laughs> yeah, and the, what? The Crystalline Giant, right? That's uh, Mechagodzilla. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, they also did a reissue for like they changed the print run because before the pandemic had happened, they had picked all these names right for the Godzilla ones. And one of the it's fortunate that it's like an uncommon that wasn't really that played. I don't know. You maybe play this in in draft. I've never even played it in draft. I've never wanted to take it. But it's Space Godzilla Death Corona on the uh, the alternate version of Void Beckoner, like the magic card name is Void Beckoner. And now they've changed. They've kept the art and they've changed the name to Space Godzilla something else. Yeah, I remember that. Weird 2020 collector's items. Yeah, I I don't think anyone can really be held accountable for not seeing that one coming. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully no one got fired over that. Seems wrong to fire anyone over that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Over that blunder. So then the next big set release was Corset 2021 in July. The return of phasing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. On that that one card. (laughs) This was a fun corset. Yeah, decent corset. Absolutely. In draft, anyway. Again, I'm always coming at these from a limited perspective. But yeah, it's one of the core sets I played a bunch of in draft. I mean, again, it was like, well, we're all at home. Guess I'm playing a lot of arena. Mm-hmm. Did you draft dogs more or cats more? I think I, I think, I think I ended up in like in total drafting more cats because there was a few more useful cats at common. Like the two-two vigilance dog was like kind of unexciting, but there was the two-one for three cat that gave all your creatures with counters trample and put a counter on something when etb'd and i just think that that was more playable pride malkin pride Mm -hmm. malkin thank you yeah that card was a big deal at the ppr i remember right yeah everyone loved that this set also brought us the return of hondans the kamigawa shrines so there's six more of those you can play in your in your five color hondans commander deck or your you know hondans casual decks or whatever i don't know if any of them are quite as nice as the original hondans but one of them makes mana so that's relevant and and it's you know just about getting the count really high up there and i think the white one is only like one mana to cast yeah so that's kind of cool there's some certainly some hits and any hondan right yeah any hondan in a storm i was about to say the more hondans the better and some of them were okay in limited they were not really a thing in limited because they were only uncommon and they were legendary so you could only have one of each at most i don't know maybe someone lived the dream and got to put together the like five color sanctum whatever deck but you know generally speaking the black one that drained every turn was all right and the blue one that looted every turn was good because there were many cards that cared about drawing cards and so you didn't really care that you were having to pitch a card as well that was just letting you draw a second card in that turn so you know on the low end of the power you had the tome anima which would become unblockable if you drew a second card for your turn but a lot of games a lot of games in this draft format ended with teferi's tutelage right yeah i think that was the why is this uncommon this seems like it should be rare it was two two and a blue for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield you draw a card and discard a card and whenever you draw a card, your opponent mills two. Just, That's correct. Was, they mill yeah. two. Yeah. And this enchantment costs three mana, one blue and two generic. And this enchantment was a win condition for a lot of decks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll say if this thing came down on turn three, you were like, OK, now we're playing that game. All right. James is reminding us this is where mill became canon. So if you have one of those mill is canon cool buttons that we sold through or Card Kingdom 
sold for us or with us. Or we have a partnership with Card Kingdom. I'm not sure how to say this. Anyways, the, the, this is where Mill became canon. That were given away, if you ask nicely. Oh, okay, given away. Great. Sorry. So yeah, this is the first set where cards started saying Mill to refer to putting your cards from your library into your graveyard. It also gave us Elder Gargaroth and the return of Ugin the Spirit Dragon. The, the more I think about this set, the more fun stuff it had. You know, except except for, for, for Teferi's tutelage, which made me sad. There have been some misses, but on the whole, I've really enjoyed the core sets period for like the last 10 years. They're usually a highlight of my draft year. Yeah, again, another thing that always surprises me is how much I enjoy core set draft. For whatever reason, I kind of always am not terribly excited by them when I see them but wind up playing them a lot and enjoying them more than I really expect to. Yeah, I agree. I think Corset Draft is usually like, well, we could draft this, or like, I guess I'll show up, you know, because I like drafting, and you're not that excited to sit down and open the packs. But then once you get you start getting playing, it's usually pretty fun. I really enjoyed the Black-White Life Gain deck. Oh, yeah, that's another thing about Corset Draft. It almost always has a Black-White Life Gain deck, and those are always super fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Indulging Patrician and the Griffin Airy. This one all centered around, like, if you can gain three or more life in a turn, then you're going to get payoffs. And I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I feel that this one had a few fewer accounting problems than some of the Black-White Life Gain decks have in the past, like the the, the Orzhov deck from Ravnica, latest Ravnica mm-hmm. sets, which required like seven pages of your, your life total pad. But that's probably only because I only played it on Arena. And so that was distant and far away and taken care of for me. Big, big 2020 winner, magic-wise, Arena. Mm. Yep. Thank goodness. It's... <laughs> That yeah. it was in the position it was when when this all happened. Can you imagine us trying to keep our like content creation jobs happening and we've all switched to Magic Online? I played some Magic Online for the first time since like getting a new computer in April or something just last week because I wanted to do Canadian Highlander. And Canadian Highlander is still fun and Magic Online is still like, gosh, it's really like this, especially if you haven't played it in months. Yeah. Like a, you really want to like boot up your Windows 3.1 so that you get into the feeling, you know, maybe get a like a, I don't know. Get a special rack for your computer so there's more fans going in towards your point. Point some extra outside fans towards your processor. Right. You know, you you notice things are running a little slow, so you hit the turbo button on your front. Yeah, hit that turbo button. Absolutely. Knock it all the way up to uh, 100 megahertz mm-hmm. on your DX4. Make the light come on on the front. But yeah, thank you, Arena. And speaking of Arena, the next one we're going to talk about is maybe a supplemental set, but was a big release at least as far as arena once again definitely problems at physical retail but jumpstart mm-hmm. which is you know it was like the game smash up but for magic and they teased it and they were like this is how it's going to work you're going to get these packs and you'll take two of them and you'll put them together and then you'll build a deck and it was like yeah sure that sounds like kind of a fun little thing you know like i sort of mentally slotted that away in the same realm as the i think it was called explorers of ixalan tabletop game which i really enjoyed playing the one time we played it but then sitting down to actually play jumpstart on arena i just couldn't stop yeah no i spent way too much money playing jumpstart on arena i loved it yeah yeah also i'm looking forward to jumpstart coming back to arena so i can lose more gems wait it is I, I assume so. I'm sorry. I no, they haven't announced that oh. it's coming back. But like, oh. I, I'm just going to keep tweeting every every now and then. Like I, I tweeted after the last thing rotated out of Arena. Like we had high stakes Galadesh remaster draft two weeks ago or whatever. And then after that rotated out, I was just tweeting like, well, there's no special queue right now. So why don't we just have jumpstart every time there's no special thing happening on Arena? And I'm going to keep retweeting that. Yeah, I agree. 
I feel we should have jumpstart. I I think I deserve, I've been a very good boy. Yeah. Probably. And I deserve more jumpstart. I know Arena wants to take more of my money. Whenever jumpstart isn't on Arena, the players should be asking, where's jumpstart? Hmm. How old is that reference now? Like 20 years old? I didn't even watch it when it came out. Oh, I didn't even get that reference. I thought you were just saying the same thing I just said. Oh, no, it was Poochie from the Itchy and Scratchy episode with the dog. Like whenever Poochie's not on screen, the viewer should be asking, where's Poochie? Right, right. It's like a production meeting for Mm -hmm. Krusty the Clown or whatever. Yeah, okay. I vaguely remember that now. So to answer your question, that reference is probably about 23 years old. Cool. Well, hopefully Jumpstart comes back from its home planet sometime (laughs) soon. (laughs) And did did you ever get it at retail, Nelly, at YJ? I haven't, although, so Dan just posted on our Facebook page that they have it in stock like two days ago. But then when I went to go to the store, which is in a new location now, and I don't have a key for it, it was closed. It was like 1030 or something. And that's when I happened to be downtown. So then I couldn't get in to get any, but maybe I'll try to go, I don't know, tomorrow mid-afternoon or something. But yes, apparently we have it back on the shelves now. I have to go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Webcam, fight me some jumpstart, Cam. Absolutely. Then only a month later, we went into the woods to draft double masters at the pre pre release. It was a new masters set, and the gimmick this time was that you took two cards as your first pick out of each pack. Also, it was full of entertaining reprints, including Oubliette. Mm, finally, finally, popper players <laughs> rejoice the world over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of exciting reprints. It's many of the ones you sort of expect that are great for uh, Commander and modern play. And also a few weird ones in there, too. This was a really fun PPR. We, well, you already mentioned, but I want to underline how cool it was to go in the woods. Obviously, since this was on Magic Online and not Arena, I didn't play nearly as much of this. I don't actually know if I played it. Did I play this once on Magic Online? I think I only played it at the PPR. I, I did as well. Me too. Yeah, it was fun, but... Yeah, would draft again. Yeah, given the opportunity. I don't know when that would happen, but I would definitely do that. Yavamaya's Embrace was reprinted at Uncommon. That's a weird fact. Darksteel Forge was in the set. All kinds of weird cards. I just really appreciate that Oubliette gave phasing. Yeah, that was such a cool... Yeah, such a cool functional but not functional change. (laughs) I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in the meeting around that. Like, can anyone see any way in which this is not phasing. Can we just say phasing? Yeah, I forget which designer, or maybe it was the rules manager or something. I read a story about it back when it was released, but I don't remember who to credit, so I'm sorry. But I do remember reading like, oh yeah, and then this person collected all the high fives. Props to that person. I would like to give them an additional high five at some point in the future. Yeah, and I'll I'll add this set to the sets I'm hoping are available at conventions to draft. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not going to get too deep into the draft archetypes, because again, I only did it once, but... There's a lot of artifacts in the set, like a lot. Yeah, I remember the artifacts really helping to pave over some questionable decisions I made during the draft. <laughs> artifacts are great for that in any draft format. Somehow sl- sliding into four colors, just make sure you pick up some brown spells too. So this set also included a release uh, on paper of something called VIP Edition, which is similar to a Collector Boosters. I don't know if it it didn't come with Collector Boosters as well, right? Did it come with one? I'm looking it up now. Here we go. The VIP edition contained 33 cards and two foil tokens. And among those cards were two foil borderless cards, which could only be in the VIP edition. And they showed these off first with some of the fancy new art. Two foils consisting of either two rares or a rare and a mythic. 
eight foil uncommons, nine foil commons, 10 full art basic lands, which were only found in the VIP edition, and two foil full art basic lands, only found in the VIP edition, selected randomly from among the 10 previous options, and then the two foil tokens. So 35 cards. The the retail on it's been pretty high. I think the lowest I've seen so far was like, I want to say $130. I forget if that was Canadian or US. But yeah, it's a it's like a whole booster box, but of just shiny collector pack things. And yes, it did replace the collector boosters. So this was the collector booster product for this. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there was a bit of hubbub about just like how expensive this pack was. Right. What was it at retail? Well, there aren't MSRP anymore. So, right. you know, I'm sure in the comments, if you want to, everyone can brag about whatever their best best deal they ever found. And some of these are still available. Shops have them. I was reading about one Canadian store owner who meant to get like 12 total, but instead got 12 cases or something. And so then I think the price they were selling them for was like, I want to say 130 Canadian, which might wow. be the cheapest that I've seen it. It's on Amazon Canada right now for $172. Right. So that's for one box. It's for the 35 cards. Yeah. So, yeah. I think maybe YJ was doing 150 and blew through them, like back at release. Mm. That's that's often Ed's style with foils. It's just like, get these out the door. <laughs> Let's make sure we made something on them, but don't, don't hold out. But yeah, so kind of a weird product. You know, this 35 cards for the same price as like a whole booster box, but not that weird when you think about like, how a lot of magic players will take the money they could spend on a whole booster box and buy like you know half of one card or one card or two cards or something so i i get it yeah i mean i obviously never got one of these and i think i only saw what was in it because i watched a video from professor opening one up and i i don't know i i feel like these maybe didn't do as well for wizards as they would have liked it's tough to know if there hasn't been another one of these because this tanked or because they just sort of this was the experiment and they didn't have enough time to act on the 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 that we won't the timeline will not work such that we won't see the result of that experiment yet i i'd be prepared to say that the second one despite how terribly i worded it although i do seem to remember the community reaction to this not being terribly enthusiastic well i think it's like a bunch of people who wouldn't probably buy the collector's edition packs anyway saying like look at this craziness they're charging x amount of dollars for you know only one pack and like yeah fair enough it is weird and expensive but it's still just in the realm like it's in the realm of the amount of money that people spend on match cards they definitely don't need even to play magic right fair it's also to answer why they've only done one of it it is the only masters set this year there's other like special kind of sets we'll get into that but yeah, we'll talk about this more on the next episode about what happened this year. But definitely VIP edition is among the like, you know, ways you can give wizards more of your money, like in some ludicrous fashion for versions of cards that you, you know, don't need, but are are shiny and different. Mm-hmm. James is mentioning, sorry to just finish up about VIP, that we he got one from YJ for 125 So, wow. Shop mm-hmm. YJ, kids. Mad deals. James says he felt like supporting Yellow Jacket in the dumbest way he could think of and would not recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> no way to support yellow jacket is dumb yeah yeah to, to to clarify he's not he's recommending supporting yellow jacket not the vip edition yeah fair enough 150 bucks for a one pack come on uh, so we're coming up on an hour almost of this podcast and we haven't quite got to zendikar rising which would be our next stop on the main release train and so that's actually where we're going to pick it up next time because we have places to be 
and I don't know, magic to play, I guess. Actually, some of us literally do actually have magic to play in just a just an hour or so. So until next time, we are going to leave it there and come back with part two of what will probably still only be two parts of a year in review, but I guess we'll see how it goes. Uh, so until next time, a, a reminder that Tap Tap Concede is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Check out cardkingdom.com slash LRR. And of course, it is brought to you by you and your kind support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash loading ready run. I have been Graham here with Nelson. Be kind to each other. And Cameron. I was the man named Cameron Lauder. James is running the card reader. Jordan edits these. Heather does podcast admin. Thank you all for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.